and welcome to episode number 198 of Artificial Turf Wars. It is, for us, opening day eve. And that means I am joined not only by the incredible Josh Housem. Josh, how you doing? I'm good. But by the interminable Nick Dyka. <laughs> you cannot terminate Hey, hey Greg. Hey, Dick. It is good to have you back. It is time for real baseball. And as is tradition here on Artificial Turf Wars, we will attempt and probably fail slightly to get through. Now it's 26 members of the roster. It used to be 25 in 50 minutes. Now we're going to try to do 26 in 52 minutes. But uh, there are some uh, hangers on because the rosters are not quite set yet. So there's going to be a couple extra people thrown in there. But we will endeavor to at least say the name, give you some basic information on everyone who you might be seeing um, in Yankee Stadium tomorrow at, I believe it is 1.05 p.m. start. If I'm, Is that right, Josh? Did I get that one right? What, the start time of the game? Yeah, and the date. Well, I mean, it's all up in the air a little bit because it's supposed to rain on Thursday um, in New York. And, you know, that's obviously not exactly ideal for the Blue Jays, but the scheduled time is 105. There there will be names on a lineup card at that point. All right. So I have a uh, Google timer here, which will likely I will forget to uh, reset and you'll hear it go off at least once. But we shall begin, <laughs> Josh, with... Uh, the most important man on the Blue Jays roster on opening day, Hyunjin Ryu, let her rip. Yeah, so Ryu, since his age 34 season, or 34 right now, 255 pounds, six foot three. I mean, you summed it up perfectly right there. Hyunjin Ryu is the most important player on this roster, and it's not really close. I mean, you look at the pitchers we're about to talk about after this, who are currently in the healthy rotation. It's really, really important that Ryu stays healthy. And now, obviously, that hasn't been his strong suit, but he stayed healthy last year. He stayed healthy in 2019. And over the last three years, he's made 56 starts of 179 ERA plus ball. And he's throwing harder than he did last year, at least in spring training, where he posted the second highest strikeout rate of his career. So as long as he's on the field, Hyunjin Ryu is just simply one of the very best pitchers in baseball. And it's awesome that he's a Blue Jay. Yeah. Nick, thoughts on uh, Ryu? Yeah, I think um, last year, you know, we were lucky enough to kind of see him pitch for the first time uh, in a Jays uniform. And, you know, the level of control he shows on the mound is really impressive, uh, especially, as you mentioned, when we're going to get to some of the other players on uh, on the list in on this pitching staff. But, yeah, his health is is the key. And, you know, if you do look back past last year, there have been a lot of DL stints or IL stints, sorry, now. Um, so keeping him healthy is going to be a huge key to the Jays winning this year. Sorry, uh, I know I just sound like an echo of Josh. I think the Jays are are playing it, you know, like they're trying to win right from the get-go. They have kept Ryu away from the Yankees lineup up to this point. That might be a little bit of theater, but that also might might be just sort of a signal to the fans that they want the absolute best shot at uh, at winning every single game this season. And I think it's kind of a nice way to say it. Uh, all right. So, uh, Nick, a big step down. Who is number two on our list? <laughs> <laughs> number two is Ross Stripling. And if we're looking for reasons to be optimistic about Stripling, uh, Stripling had a terrible year last year, splitting time between the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. But if you look at his, uh, his numbers before last year, he had an ERA under four, uh, in 2016 through 2019, all his kind of like independent pitching metrics were also under four, his FIP, his XFIP. And, you know, he's always been a pitcher who's 
walked less than two batters in it per nine innings, struck out, you know, somewhere north of eight. Ross Stripling has a, you know, a fairly substantial track record of big league success. And I think as Jays fans, we just need to remember that, you know, last year was a super weird season for so, so many reasons. And Stripling could be a, a quality pitcher, I think, uh, in, in 2021 for this team. Your thoughts, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with that. It's, you know, one thing that was weird last year is that he is just his pitch mix totally changed because he made a mechanical change and it seems like he's started to go back to it. So that's obviously an encour- encouraging thing because, as you said, he's been a very useful pitcher in his career. Now, one thing is that he, he as a starter, his career rate is actually 401, which is obviously still very, very good, but he's been better out of the bullpen. But, you know, he was supposed to not even be in the rotation at the start of the season, and now he's the number two starter. But, you know, he's a very useful soldier because once the guys get back, he's still really valuable, and he can pitch in both roles and be successful. Um, I think we kind of skimmed over it. So Stripling is six foot three, 31 years old, 220 pounds, and he's right-handed. So, um, yeah, just fill in those blanks for you. But, I mean, ultimately um, – <laughs> I said we would say everyone's name and tell you a little bit about them. Um, ultimately, I think the Jays are going to count on on a couple of guys they don't want to count on for a lot of innings early, in the early going, and, and Stripling happens to have drawn that card. Um, next, I get Stephen Matz, who is from New York and played for the Mets for his entire career up until this year. Um, and when Matz is good, he's decent. He's basically... Uh, right around league average in terms of, of ERA plus most of the time. Um, if you take out 2020, I think the Blue Jays very much viewed 2020 as an outlier year, as as I think that theme is going to come up probably more often. Basically, Matt struck out more people than he ever had in 2020. He didn't walk anymore. He just got killed by the long ball for whatever reason. So if he can simply get back to the guy he was in 27, uh, well, 2017 wasn't great, but 2018 or 2019, the Blue Jays will certainly take that, I think, out of their number three starter if he can give them enough innings to uh, to fill in an entire season's worth of starts. Uh, Nick, what do you think about Steven? Yeah, I think, no, I know we're just repeating ourselves a lot, but I, I agree with what you said, Greg. And yeah, I think before 2020, Matt's had a pretty long record of being a somewhat decent back of the rotation starter. And I think the Blue Jays do see a little bit of potential for more than maybe being a number four or five starter. I know we were all a little bit um, surprised when they traded for him in February. So I'm curious to see if maybe, you know, Pete Walker unlocks something in his pitch mix or mechanics or Josh can talk more about this than me. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's hard to say. He's had a fantastic spring, right? And he's looked every bit like the guy who was the really useful pitcher for the Mets and a former top prospect. So it's not like he doesn't have the talent, but it just, it's hard to predict that he'll be anything better than a, you know, upper three ZRA pitcher. But again, if he's your middle of the rotation guy or like a three, four starter, that's fine. Like that, as long as you can stay healthy, which has been a challenge for him at times too, then, you know, that's that the Jays would be thrilled with that. All right. Well, we've chipped into Tanner Roark's time, Josh, but I, I feel like you're not going to be too busted up about the fact that we don't get the full two minutes with Roark. 
Nope, sure not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tanner Rourke is a 6'2", 238-pound righty, 34 years old. So Tanner Rourke, he's the innings eater. That's kind of been his his MO. He's thrown over 180 innings four times in his career. But the problem is that as he is aging, his velocity has dipped. And he's always been homer prone to begin with. But with the lower velocity, he's very homer prone. And you can't eat innings if you just keep giving up runs. So he really needs to figure something out. He seemed to be doing a little better with the velocity in the spring than last year, but still below what he was before. So I don't know. I I, I'm, I, I was previously on record saying he could be all right and valuable with the innings eating, but he needs to be better. Like it's just that simple or he won't be in the rotation in May. I, I think what Roark's problem certainly seemed to be last year was an appropriate uh, assessment of his own talent level. Um, if, if anybody in this, you know, rotation should not be seeing guys the third time on a regular basis. And again, allowing a bunch of of um, of base runners in the first two innings certainly leads to you seeing people too soon. Uh, it's Roark. He, he simply doesn't have enough to fool people often enough to be a guy who's trying to get into the seventh inning all the time. Um, Nick? Keep the diesel engine in the garage. I do not think he's <laughs> one of the Jays five best starting pitchers. I think even with the injuries, I would have been, you know, more curious to have someone like Trent Thornton perhaps in the rotation. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the Jays are rolling with Roark and he does need to improve on his performance or I don't think he's going to be, be long for the rotation or potentially even a roster spot. I think. Which takes us to the back end of the rotation. And I think the very unexpected, uh, TJ Zoic, Nick. Yes. Uh, so TJ Zoic is 25 years old. He's right-handed. He's six foot seven, which I was surprised to. I didn't know that read. either. And is that a, that really? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a typo. Yeah. He's tall. <laughs> yeah, and 225 pounds. So despite being the tallest member of the rotation, he is far from the heaviest. And um, despite being six seven two and having all that uh, downward plane and long stride. He does not throw very hard and he does not strike very many people out. Uh, Zoic has like kind of a four pitch mix between fastball slider, uh, cutter and changeup. although he doesn't use the change up very often. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, he just doesn't generate a lot of strikeouts. Um, and for someone who doesn't generate a lot of strikeouts, he's not, you know, he walks around a lot of the projection systems having walking between, you know, three and a half and three batters per nine innings, which is not a great rate when you're not missing very many bats. That being said, uh, the Jays decided to to give him the fifth rotation spot, was which was a little bit confusing to me. I know I mentioned Thornton a minute ago, but you know, also someone like Baraki or Tyler Chatwood seemed like they could have possibly had a little bit more upside than than Zoic. So, yeah, I'm I'm a little confused as to why they went with them. Well, the simple answer is every single guy you just named has not been stretched out as a starting pitcher. <laughs> so, <right. laughs> they, they, they couldn't be in the rotation. Right. But I mean, I was surprised after, you know, Baraki's increase in velocity last year and Thornton was a starting pitcher. I know he was hurt. But he was hurt at the start of camp. Yeah. So like, uh, that's right. why I'm sure it would have been Thornton, but he couldn't. Speaking of Ryan Baraki, he did get mentioned with all those other names there. He's six foot four, 28 years old. 215 pounds he's a left-hander 
And he will be the left-hander in the Blue Jays' bullpen, uh, other than Tim Meza, who has worked his way back onto this roster. We'll get to him later. Uh, Baraki, I mean, he he was certainly trying to be a starting pitcher. There was a lot of reasons to think he could be a starting pitcher. Uh, but when transitioned to the bullpen, Baraki strikes out literally twice as many people as he does as a starter. And I think that that alone is kind of a, a little eye-popping. Um, and maybe is the reason the Blue Jays were so keen on seeing what he could continue to do at the back end of a bullpen as a lefty when they don't, you know, didn't really have a, a fantastic left, left-handed option le- last year. Um, yeah. Uh, thoughts, Josh? I'm all in on Ryan Brucky <laughs> this year. He, <clears throat> he just looks unbelievable right now. Obviously, it's spring training, but he's, fi- he's throwing his fastball. He's hitting above 98 which that's brand new for him and his slider just looks dynamite and he, like he's just striking everybody out and making them look really bad and last year his walk rate was just way way outsized for him you know 16.4 percent and he's just never he's always been a control guy in his career now throwing a bit harder he might walk a few more but even if he cuts that in half he's going to be just dynamite and like you know the, the andrew miller comp gets thrown around a lot but like that's the kind of season I'm expecting from him, to be honest. Nick? Yeah, he's definitely one of the best pitchers in the Jays' bullpen. Uh, now that That's there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you needed to say. Uh, all right, so after Barucki, we have Tyler Chatwood, Josh. Yeah, so you mentioned Chatwood the other, you know, a few minutes ago, Nick, and He's a guy that I think might have been given a shot, again, if these injuries had happened earlier in camp, but they all seem to happen at the end when guys were being pushed into roles. There would be, you know, the max maximum usage for all these pitchers if they were all healthy. So he's not going to be that. He's going to be a middle reliever. And Tyler Chatwood's only issue, his only one, is his control. When he's throwing strikes, as he has this spring, for that, for the record, He's really, really tough to hit. He's got a high spin fastball and a high spin curveball that both generate swings and misses at pretty good rates. And, you know, there's a reason that he was successful even in in Colorado a while back. And then he went, got that big contract with the Cubs and just couldn't throw strikes. But out of the bullpen, he throws harder. And he's had some success in that role with the Cubs. So I, I think he could be really useful. He's not being counted on to be the eighth inning guy or even probably the seventh inning guy. Just a guy who can throw an inning or two and get some outs for you. So I like it. I like the move. I think with the expanded pitching staffs uh, and what we've seen about starters not going very deep into games and the fact that we're going from a a very, very weird short season where guys do not have a lot of, um, a lot of stamina built up, um, I think a guy like Chatwood, who is very serviceable in the middle relief role, is going to be probably more important and in your typical season. So uh, like you said, you probably want a guy with a proven track record in that slot. Nick? Yeah, I think Chatwood is kind of interesting. You know, the Jays really went in this year on on free agents. And the fact that they did target Chatwood, you know, and the, the fact that they targeted Matt's, you know, makes me think that maybe they see something in these guys or, again, a, a tweak they can make that, could unlock something else and yeah if he just is the pitcher he's been so far then you know pitching in the middle innings it's not going to be the the greatest risk to the team to have him there and having somebody throwing hard is always you know an asset in a in a major league bullpen in 2021 so right back to you uh nick rafael dolis what i think we've probably come to know better than we ever thought we would 
<laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Rafael Delis is 6'4". He's 33 and he weighs 235 pounds. Uh, he's a very hard thrower. His fastball averaged about 95 last year. And um, he's a guy who doesn't have a huge track record in the major leagues, at least a recent track record, as he spent uh, the six years before last year pitching in Japan. Um, he's going to be an option to close potentially for the Blue Jays. And he's certainly going to be uh, a high leverage reliever for the team. And he did quite well in that role last year. Although, you know, I'm obliged to point out that 24 innings is not anything anybody should, you know, predict too much of the future on. Uh, so yeah, Dolis looks to be a big part of, of the Jays back end of the bullpen. And they're going to need him to pitch somewhat like he did last year. Uh, if they're going to be successful, I think. I think that the word I will probably associate most with Rafael Dolis is exciting. And that's both in the good and the bad way in that, um, like, I guess, closers of yore, he doesn't always know where the baseball is going to end up, but he's certainly going to throw it hard and see see if he can get some people out. Uh, and he's, he's Exciting is not the word I'd use for Dolis. He works so slow that it's, it's oh, okay. the opposite. Uh, nail biting, perhaps? I don't know. That I would like to see him successful, but I think you 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 never quite know. Josh. Yeah, I mean, I like Dolis. He limits hard contact well, and he's got that really good splitter, a decent slider, and as Nick said, he throws really hard. And you know, he's just he, as one of the back end guys. I like him a lot better than you know being in a mix with Anthony Bass and AJ Cole. I mean, I, so yeah, I'm I'm happy that they were able to keep him. Um, David Phelps is the next one up. So six foot two, uh, 34 years old, 198 pounds, right-handed thrower. I remember hating David Phelps all the way back in like 2012 when he was a Yankee. So that's, that's my, my biggest recollection. So he's bounced around since then. Miami, Seattle, uh, was a blue Jay there for a whole 17 games in 2019. Um, then off to the Cubs, then to Milwaukee. Uh, he's done well at every single stop pretty much, except for, Philadelphia last year where he found the curse of the Phillies bullpen and absolutely got hammered in his what 7.2 innings he had at home runs per nine of 5.9 I don't would you report to the Phillies bullpen if you were assigned there uh Nick <laughs> yeah probably wouldn't be good for my career if I did um but <laughs> but yeah you're right Greg he has had like a a pretty good run of success in pitching out of the bullpen in the last few years, minus pitching in Philadelphia, which at this point, can we hold that against anyone? Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he figures to be a, a piece, I think in the, the late innings as well. And someone you're going to see pitching in, you know, tough situations. Uh, yeah. As far as I can understand. And you like him, Josh? I do. Yeah. I was really happy when they signed him. You know, again, it's just like everything went wrong in the Phillies bullpen. <laughs> and, he, he, and he was giving up home runs on pitches he's never given up home runs on in his career. It was just it was just the curse of the Phillies, really. And he's been really good in camp. And it's, yeah, he's just a good pitcher. He's a good relief pitcher. He throws 94, 95, which is just fine. And he's got that good cutter and sinker combo. And yeah, I like him. All right. So, uh, Josh, tell us a tale then of Jordan Romano. Well, Jordan Romano is a 
225 pound righty. He's age 27. And if you don't want to build a something off of 24 innings, <laughs> what do you feel about 14 and two thirds, Nick? <laughs> Make him the closer. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I mean, sometimes stuff just plays. And since he transitioned to a full time relief role, thank God the Rangers did not keep him after they selected him in the Rule 5 draft because Mike. Goodness, is his stuff good. Fastball in the upper 90s, a wipeout slider. He struck out 15 batters in six and two-thirds this spring, which is a 20.3K per nine for those keeping track. And that comes on the heels of striking out 21 in 14 innings last year. And you know, he just he looks every bit the part of a late-game reliever, and now he's going to be the closer because of Yates. But it's just power stuff that sometimes he doesn't know exactly where it's going, but he doesn't walk people. He just probably terrifies hitters because they don't know. <laughs> I would probably be terrified of, of a 27-year-old throwing near 100 miles an hour. And he seemed to, last year, have have worked through the issue of, of fading in velocity as the game went on, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, and also he was switched to a short relief role, which makes that a lot easier. True. Uh, thoughts on him, Nick? You got... 33 seconds to express them yeah no i agree he generates a lot of swing and miss and that was something that was showing up even before kind of his breakout last year so i think we can be a little bit more confident in him going forward that he'll be able to remain as good as he was last year or some somewhere close to that indeed all right so you get also nick tim Meza, uh the statistical rundown of yeah, so uh, Tim Meza is six foot three. He's twenty nine. He weighs two hundred twenty pounds. He throws left handed, and uh, Tim Meza missed all of twenty twenty with a flexor strain and Tommy John surgery recovery uh, it, injuries he suffered towards the end of twenty nineteen. Uh, in twenty nineteen, he did pitch in the Jays bullpen, and he was fairly successful uh, despite having, you know, an, an ERA in the. Oh no, I'm sorry. He was not very successful in 2019. I was looking at the wrong year. Um, yeah, Tim Meza in 2018 had a, a 3.2 ADRA and uh, an XERA under three. But in, in 2019, his strikeouts ticked down, his walks ticked up, and his ERA was close to five. So he looks to be someone who likely will be pitching towards the, the middle of the game as opposed to the back of the game. And as he's coming off Tommy John surgery and the flexor strain, I imagine that his velocity will not be where it was pre-surgery with a fastball sitting around 93, 94. It actually was. Really? Um, yeah, so he he came out and just, that's how how he earned the spot over Francisco Liriano because they Mesa just had a straight minor league deal with no opt-outs and Liriano had an opt-out and they picked Mesa, which hurt their depth because they could have had both of them. Because he just looked incredible in the spring. He was throwing 93, 94, touching 96. And he apparently had a Zach Britton-esque sinker. Now, I saw his sinker. It did, it, no, no one sinkers Zach Britton-esque. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that good. But, you know, he could be a really useful piece in the pen. Now, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be like a late-inning reliever. But I think he, he the stuff is back enough that he could at least be effective. I think with another lefty, um, obviously Liriano could have been that, but if his, his control is better than Liriano's would be, then maybe you, you want Mesa there. Also a younger option. Uh, but moving on to Trent Thornton, that whole thing about 
you know, injuries in Tommy John, we could have been not discussing Trent Thornton because of the same thing, because Trent uh, at the end of 2020, or yeah, at the end of 2020, was slated for surgery. We thought, uh-oh, maybe it's going to be the big one. But no, he had loose bodies removed from his elbow. Um, I don't know what a loose body is still after all these years of being a baseball fan, but it was enough to get him back on track um, for um, the 2021 season. So he's 27 years old. He uh, is six foot zero, uh, 195 pounds, throws right-handed. Um, I mean, he's had a pretty good spring. In seven innings pitched, he struck out 11 and walked one. I think that's probably some decent numbers to get you you know, onto the roster and, and with a role in, uh, you know, stretching between those those starters who you're not sure about and, and into that uh, that later part of the game. Josh? Yeah, I mean, Thornton is a guy that I think the Jays wanted to be a depth starter. You know, there is no, now there's no starting pitching in the minors right now because the minor league season starts late. So, Maybe it's better to have him as the bulk reliever because they'll need that, especially that we're talking about TJ Zoic pitching against the Yankees. Like, <laughs> Thornton's going to pitch a lot of innings in that game. Um, he's fine. Like, you know, we've seen him be very good and we've seen him be very bad. And, you know, I, I think that this is possibly that his, the bullpen is his eventual home. But I, I do like him as a long relief type. And I think that's a role he could be pretty useful in, especially as you mentioned with some of the issues that plague in this rotation. So, yeah, I like it. I'm a big fan of this bullpen, in case you haven't noticed from everything I've been saying. Yeah, well, um, that is two minutes on on that, so I apologize, Nick. But So, good Lord, that was a lot of pitchers. Uh, and that's not even actually all the pitchers who might be on the roster. I think we have one or two more who are, are probably going to be battling or taking a spot. So, let us move, though, to the all-important catching position where the catcher of the future has changed again. But first, not the catcher of the future, the catcher of the present, Josh, Danny Jansen. Yeah, I think Nick's with me on this one, but uh, Danny Jansen, 6'2", 25 years old, 225 pounds. I think he's pretty good. I think he's going to have a good year as a hitter. Uh, it's hard, you, know, you, you look at the numbers he put up last year, and it's hard to, to really think that I, on the surface, but when you include the postseason, he had an OPS over 700, which, and it was, he had the 15th highest among all catchers, including the postseason last year in baseball. And that was with him hitting 190. And then he doesn't strike out enough for that to be a sustainable number. So, yeah, I'm actually really confident that he's going to have a good year. I mean, he may not be, ever be the hitting catcher we hoped he was going to be, but I think he's a lot better than he has shown to this point. Are you indeed with Josh on this, Nick? Oh, uh, 100%. I mean, he only has basically just a little over a full season's worth of major league at bats spread over out over three different seasons. And I mean, this is a guy who in the minor leagues had strikeout and walk rates that were not uh, dissimilar to Vlad jr. He was a very, very good hitter in the minors. And, you know, since he's come up to the majors, he's really improved his defense. And I think, you know, if we can infer something from that, it's that he was focused on his defense. So I would not be surprised in the least if we see, Danny Jansen become uh, a much better hitter than he's shown this year. Uh, and with the kind of the bar for being a good hitter at catcher, um, I think he could turn into a very, very valuable player for the Jays. I'm going to speak for all casual Jays fans here and say, I want to believe in Danny Jansen. I just need him to give me a reason to believe. Please, Danny. <laughs> just What just... about those two homers off Tyler Glass now in the, in the playoffs? 
Yeah, that's yeah. Still looking for a reason. All right, Nick <laughs> Alejandro Kirk, who is you're going to read out some statistics here that they're hilarious. When this is right, an right. <laughs> yeah, well, if you if you guys watch, if you've seen, I think you should leave. This is, I believe, described as a tuna can. But Alejandro <laughs> Kirk is five foot eight. He is twenty two years old, and he weighs two hundred and sixty five pounds. So he might be the beefiest of all the Blue Jays beef boys. Now, um, speaking speaking of kind of like the casual fan, I know we were talking about Jansen. Kirk came up last year, and he did very well, um, despite never playing above. I think it's is it a ball. Yeah. And so he hit 375 and, um, you know, he slugged 583 in his uh, 20, 25 plate appearances. And he looked so like I, he was having the time of his life. <laughs> he did. He very much did. Um, so he's a player that's generating a lot of excitement among Jays fans. And when you combine that with Jansen's offensive struggles last year, I think there's a lot of people kind of hoping that he takes the starting catcher's job uh, at some point. Um, it's crazy to think that he's only 22, um, but a lot of scouts uh, seem to believe that he makes enough contact that he could be an above-average major league hitter right away, despite never playing above a ball and being so young. 15 seconds, Josh. Well, so another thing that I really like about him and that I mentioned on our last podcast, he drives the ball to the opposite field really well. And he has these short arms that allow him to pull the ball inside. So his plate coverage is just tremendous. I get the privilege of talking about Bo freaking Bichette. Uh, six foot, 185 pounds, 22 years old, right-handed. And I don't know if the word phenomena is appropriate, but certainly I think star is, is appropriate um, for Bichette at this age. He has come to the major leagues and in his first two years, although they were both, you know, partial years in different senses, um, he has been uh, a well above average hitter at the major league level while playing a premium defensive position. And he is, like I said, 23 years old. I, What more do you need? He started a little slow this spring training and then he ended up with a 313, 411, 500 line. So, I want to see Bichette play shortstop forever, and this is uh, this is ideal for me. Um, your thoughts on Bo, Josh? I mean, it's hard to have a bad thing to say about Bo. You know, his he's, his bat to ball skills are just so good. He doesn't take many walks, but he doesn't strike out much either. So, I mean, he's probably going to strike out 130, 140 times, which is not nothing, but he. When he makes contact, he barrels the ball a lot. And, you know, it's the defense that really is the thing that people are going to have to pay attention to because they have Semyon at second. And Bichette's been up and down in that regard. And the thing that will keep him from becoming a super-duper-duper star, the only thing, in my opinion, is his defense. Because even if he just keeps hitting okay and he can play the defense at short, he can be a great player. And so if he hits like he has been, then that's sky's the limit. Uh, quick thought from you, Nick. Yeah, I I think, um, like Josh said, the sky's the limit. Uh, it would be nice to see him walk a little more, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, we're being nitpicky at this point. In terms of the strikeouts, <laughs> I would, I, you know, I'll talk about him when the, another, the next player comes up. All right. Well, the next player is uh, all Josh's. It is Kevin Biggio. He strikes out a lot. Um <laughs> So there, I don't think there's a more polarizing player on the Jays roster than the 6'2", 
200-pound, 25-year-old Biggio who's going to play third. Uh, so one thing I was actually looking at when I went down to Florida, no, I wasn't there to go to games, but I did go to games while I was there, uh, was to see Biggio's defense. And he actually looked a lot better at third than he did last year, so I'm actually happy about that. <clears throat> he has a ton of plate discipline. Well, one of the things that worries me a little bit is that his plate discipline can also just be called pass- passivity. He gets into a lot of pitchers counts and he walks or strikes out. So if just a few more of his fly balls don't go over the fence with the shortest home run distance in baseball, he becomes less of a good player. But that said, I don't, I'm not a, a, assuming he can't make those adjustments. It's just something I'm curious to see. So there, there is, I just real quick read an article today that, in this spring training, the home run per fly ball rate of this supposedly deadened ball was the highest of any home run fly ball rate of any known ball variation uh, in history. So maybe Kevin doesn't have as much as a, of a problem. We'll find out soon. Uh, your thoughts on him, Nick? Yeah. Um, one thing I guess I'd, I'd ask, and, and this is literally me asking more than telling, is say, say Biggio's balls don't go for home runs are those just doubles though because that's not a terrible outcome either and with him know, not really some cases. His, no his launch angle is so high that most of the, his balls are fly balls and they'd probably be outs right another thing I, I wanted to point out when we were talking about Bo is biggio actually only struck out less than two percent of the time more often than Bo did last year i know in the minor leagues uh that that hasn't been the case but um yeah, Biggio did cut his strikeout rate last year uh, somewhat. And I do think, you know, he's a very, very efficient base stealer. He's a guy who can move around the diamond. Um, he doesn't need to be the hitter that some of the other guys on this team need to be to uh, to be valuable. I think. All right. So, Nick, we talked about launch angle, how hard the ball was hit, strikeout and walk rates. And now Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is yours to talk about. <laughs> and also speaking of uh, people who do need to be really valuable offensively to, yeah. to contribute to the team. <laughs> yeah. So Vlad Jr. Um, I think anybody who has the internet knows that Vlad Jr. really dedicated himself to uh, fitness this off season. So I'm going to preface that before I say Vlad Jr. is 22 years old. He's six foot two and he's listed at 250, but potentially maybe a few pounds lighter given his uh, offseason work. Um, and yeah, Vlad Jr. also uh, worked on playing third base this offseason. He played it in the, the Dominican League, I believe it was. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. But um, he's going to be primarily playing first base. Don't be surprised if you see him at third a, a couple times a week or something like that. Um, and yeah, he's also somebody whose launch angle looks to have improved this spring, which when you combine it with how hard Vlad hits the ball, he could, this could be the year he becomes the hitter. Everyone thought he was going to be uh, when he was coming up through the minor leagues. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. If he hit 300 with like 35 plus home runs. Um, he, he can be that good. I think. I don't want to think about a make or break season with Vlad Jr. at 22, but certainly this if this is the season where he turns a corner and can put it all together at the major league level, I think the Blue Jays are in great shape for the next few years. If he's still, you know, on the bubble like he's been in his his first two seasons, I I think um I think it's a tougher question for the Jays to answer how good he's going to be. Josh 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. And I agree with everything both of you have been saying. Um, one thing that he's, it seems he's doing is, is he's going up the middle a bit more. At least he has been in the early parts of the spring. And I think that's part of the issue with that, that he's had is that he's been getting out on front of balls a bit too much where he's on the, too far on his upswing. And that's where he's slamming them straight into the ground. So it's just about getting that balance of where, like getting it out front, but not too far. And if he's doing that, then like we've seen it's like that home running hit the other day, it was a 116 miles an hour, 18 degree launch angle. Like <laughs> a line drive that just, just never came down. Yeah, it was like a line drive over the shortstop's head that went over the fence. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the sky's the, the like the sky is actually the limit with with him and his offense potential. So, yeah, as you said, Nick, if like if he he's the most important hitter on this team. <laughs> we we have given Vlad Jr. an obscene amount of time. We are about to uh, uh, you know cut into Marcus Semyon and Rowdy uh, Telez's time, but Marcus Semyon going to be the Blue Jays' everyday second baseman, uh, six foot. 30-year-old, uh, 195 pounds, uh, throws right, bats right. Marcus is on a one-year contract because he went from MVP candidate to uh, not not looking so hot in the shortened season. And I think he wants to show people potentially that his breakout season wasn't wasn't a career year, that it was he actually figured something out. And an everyday job with the Blue Jays is you know seemingly the way to do that. Um, but you never know... Uh, what the true, you know, max talent level is. Uh, Nick. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that Semyon, he's been in the league for, you know, since he was 22 years old. Uh, But yeah, at 28, he had the best season of his career. And then last year at 29, he had the worst season of his career. Um, So if if we kind of like take those two years, throw them out, Semyon's a guy who, you know, is about league average as a hitter. and about kind of league average as a defensive player at shortstop that could play up now that he's a second baseman. But um, I think even in a, a a kind of more downside scenario where he doesn't repeat his MVP season or his MVP vote season of 2019, uh, he could still be a pretty solid player. All right, Josh, tell us if there's anything we missed about Semyon and then move on to Rowdy. Yeah, I mean, so if you include, again, include the postseason, right? Because including the postseason, he only played 60 games. So like, let's get every data point we can in there. And he had an OPS of 733. And, you know, like that's playing in, I can't get OPS plus with this. Otherwise I would. That's playing in a really bad park for hitters. And, you know, like that, those numbers are really useful if you're playing in the dome at second base. So I think that that's probably pretty, that's actually pretty close to what he was doing before. So if he's doing that, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be a useful piece. Although maybe he shouldn't be batting at the top of the lineup, but that's another discussion. Rowdy may up. Yeah. Big rowdy. Six, four. (laughs) Did not, did not come across with any sincerity about that enthusiasm, but, but Okay. No, no, I mean, like, he's big. Oh, okay. <laughs> 6'4", 255. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking about guys that cut their strikeout rates. Rowdy Tellez was unbelievable in that regard last year. I mean, he was a guy that strikeouts were essentially his issue, right? And he went from 28.4% to 15.7. It's a small sample, obviously, as everything is from last year, but... That's the kind of skill set that stabilizes quickly, statistically. And 
you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. He had a horrible spring. <laughs> Struck out a ton. So maybe it didn't stabilize. But uh he hits the ball so hard that they're gonna give him chances. But I think that with the depth on this roster, he's I think his leash is short because I think especially when Springer comes back, if Kirk's still around taking to DH at bats, he's gotta perform. Uh I tend to agree. I don't I don't think Rowdy Tellas is uh I don't think his team feels like they owe him anything because they have given him a bunch of chances. He did show he had something last year, but this is a game of find the outlier. And it, assuming that 2020 was the outlier isn't a hard assumption to make. So now he has to prove that wrong. Uh, any thoughts on him, Nick? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think, you know, he he made so many gains in his strikeout rate last year that even if he kind of finds some kind of mid-ground between the like near 30% he was striking out at at 2018 19 and you know the 15 from last year if he can get his rate in kind of like a league average you know between 20 and 22 percent given how hard he hits the ball i think he's still going to be quite a good hitter um okay so back over to you nick uh, i think all of us can say holy crap it's jonathan davis on this roster how did that happen <laughs> yeah well part of the reason it happened is george springer who we're going to talk about later is going to start the year on the injured list um but yeah jonathan davis is 28 years old he's five foot eight and weighs 190 pounds and despite being 28 he's only played in 78 major league games to this point in his career uh he's probably the best defensive outfielder on the team i don't know if you guys would agree with that or not but um yep. he's definitely one of only a few of only him and Randall Gritchick kind of of the guys they've got right now can really play center field. So uh, he's very fast, I believe if you look up his sprint speed, but um, we don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. So um, yeah. So Davis is going to be the fourth outfielder at least until uh, Springer comes back. Uh, do you have any, any pertinent thoughts there, Josh, before we move to Randall Gritchick as I try and get, get us back on track? Yeah, um, so one of the interesting things about Davis is that he's actually been hitting the ball really hard this spring, and he's had, I think, six batted balls over 100 miles an hour, and, you know, he, he takes walks, he has decent plate discipline, so it's worth a shot to see if he can help as a fifth outfielder, but why not? Um, it has been a weird spring with, with uh, George Springer with the nagging injury, so we end up over here at Randall Grichuk. Uh, everyday starting outfielder until um, Springer comes back. Gritchick has been actually a fairly consistent over the course of his career with his OPS floating around that league average number. Um, his his defense being what I would consider to be somewhat above average for a corner outfielder, possibly average as a center fielder. Um, and the Blue Jays decided to reward him by paying him plenty of money over a long term for doing that. So uh, Gritchick isn't going anywhere, whether... Whether the return of Springer means that Grichuk gets moved, you know, to the bench, or whether Jonathan Davis is more valuable, or whatever, I, I think we could see that shake out in the first week or two of the season. Um, but he's good to have around for when someone does get hurt, I guess. Six two, twenty nine years old, and two hundred and sixteen pounds of him. Uh, Josh. Yeah. Um, speaking of guys who made contact gains last year, Randall Grichuk is one of them, and. You know, he cut his strikeout rate from 26% the previous two years to 21. Uh, you know, that that's the kind of gain that would be would help him. He's not 
you know, every year Randall Grichuk has like a hot two weeks and we're like, oh, he's figured it out. <laughs> and then he, you <laughs> he, know, he turns back to Randall Grichuk, which is exactly what happened last year too. But he did keep the contact gain, so he could be a useful – I mean, he's always been a useful outfielder, right? He's a, he's a solid major league player. He's just not great. So I think he's a very, very capable fill-in while, some, while Springer's hurt, and I'm happy that he's still around. So the next two guys are a lot more fun. First, Josh, take Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Oh, Lourdes. <laughs> so <laughs> Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is an adventure in the outfield. 6'4", <laughs> uh, 215-pound, 27-year-old righty. Um, bats right, throws right. Like he, he got a gold glove nomination, but he, I mean, he makes some interesting plays out there. <laughs> he's still really new to the position so you know he, he definitely has room to grow he's got a great arm and his bat has quietly been really really good since coming to the big leagues and he just he's gotten better every year and since coming back from the minors last year he's been or 2019 rather he's been tremendous so he's a he's a sneaky power hitter who makes a lot of contact um, again, another guy who doesn't walk very much, but passable amounts. Uh, I, I just think he's a really, really useful piece to have on the roster. Like, I, I really, really high on Guriel. Uh, your thoughts on Guriel, Nick? Yeah, I think sometimes how successful he's been in the majors has been kind of uh, glossed over because it's been in like fits and starts, and he's you know between getting hurt and sent down, he hasn't had like one full season. But yeah, he is definitely a player who could also kind of break out I think this year and a breakout for him would just be playing a full season and hitting like he has in his partial seasons he was also I, playing infield I think at some point in spring he was like taking some reps at, at first was it first base yeah oh like his yeah. brother yeah and third just like his brother yeah. um I, but I think... uh he's he's an outfielder I think Guriel is fun to watch both because of the arm and then also because of that sort of, uh, you know, runs the bases, uh, you know, flips the hair, throws the bat around, all, all those kind of things that that um, make you think that he's having fun playing the game. And I think it's to have that player as a productive player is like just sort of a bonus to have both things all wrapped up into one. So I'm, I'm glad Guriel didn't get traded. I think I would have been a little sad if he got traded for, for some other pitching piece or whatever in the off season. Uh, Nick, you get now, depending on your definition of fun, maybe the next guy is more fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So the next guy is Teoscar Hernandez. He's six foot two. He's 29 and he weighs 205 pounds. Uh, Teoscar had his best season as a major leaguer last year. He won the Silver Slugger Award, won a Silver Slugger Award. Um, for me, I think he's the most likely candidate to regress, though, to his kind of pre-2020 uh, performance. Uh, if you look at kind of the underlying stuff between, like, his walk and strikeout rate and how often he's just making contact with pitches in general, not a ton changed. Uh, he's going to be a guy who is going to run into some really, you know, big hot streaks because he, when he does make contact, he hits the ball really hard. Uh, but I think unless he's able to do something with his plate discipline, we're probably looking at, you know, something closer to the Teoscar we saw in 2019, 2018, than the one we saw in 2020. Your thoughts, Josh? Yeah. So, one of the things about Teoscar, sorry, I'm trying to open this thing. The Skype window keeps blowing in the way. Um, 
in 2019 is he was incredible after getting called up from the major from the minors because he also got sent down. So the thing that changed that doesn't show up in the stuff you're looking at is the kind of balls that he's hitting. And he's really been driving the ball out over the plate a lot more where he was, he was a, a very pull happy hitter prior to that. And so I think it's, you'll, you'll notice that he, he lays off that slider off the plate a lot better than he used to. And, you know, since coming back at the minors at that time, he's hit 284, 336, 563 with the second best home run rate in baseball. And I agree with you that he's a regression candidate because of his swing and miss, but I do think that there are enough changes to the approach that, he does damage on mistakes that he didn't do prior. And I think that's going to keep his floor a little higher. Uh, all right. So now we're going to move on to a group of players who are battling for how many spots are we battling for here? Uh, I, I did not two. count up just two. So the first one is Julian Merriweather in the bullpen. Well, these, all these guys are in the bullpen. Julian Merriweather. I get, he's uh 29 years old, six foot four, 215 pounds. He's a right-hander. Um, Merriweather has a 97 mile an hour fastball, which is hard to ignore that kind of thing. Um, he also uses his 81 mile an hour changeup to complement that. Um, so yeah, I mean, Merriweather stands a chance of making this roster, um, as they try and fill out the back end of that bullpen. If you have more thoughts on that, Josh, let me know. Well, I mean, it's just extreme power stuff with the four pitch mix and, his issue, only issue, has been staying healthy. I mean, he came up last year, 12 strikeouts in his first seven innings, and then he got hurt again and struggled over his next couple of outings and went on the IL. He opened the season with back soreness in spring. So if he's healthy, he is a weapon in the bullpen. But it's just such a big if with Julian Merriweather. So Anthony Kay is a, is a weapon for probably a different reason. He's oh. yours. Josh. Hey, guys, sorry. You cut out. Yeah, you mm. cut out completely there, Greg. Mm. Sorry, I said Anthony Kay is probably a, a weapon for a different reason. Yeah, um, six foot, 225 pound, 26 year old lefty. In my mind, was the best piece that they got in the Stroman trade at the time. Uh, I'm very high on Anthony Kay. I think higher than most people. I mean, he's throwing harder this spring, and he's added this cutter that gives him a, a pitch that moves it that, you know, away from a lefty at a harder velocity so that he can come in on righties as well as as opposed to just using his changeup, which has been a bit iffy in the bigs. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily still think he's better than Simeon Woods Richardson, but I think that Anthony Kay is going to be the, a guy that's going to get a lot of important innings for this team. Uh, Nick, AJ Cole. What, why would AJ Cole make one of these last two spots? Uh, well, AJ Cole is going to pitch out of the bullpen, and there's no question that he is just a reliever, unlike a guy like Kay, who could be a starter at some point in time. Uh, Cole does get some some swing and miss, and his average fastball sits at, I think, around like 94. Yeah. Yep. So um, he's an option that I think somebody, if it was, I don't know if it was Charlie Montoyo, said he might be an option to close games. Um <laughs> I know I was surprised too, but uh, yeah, he signed a, a minor league deal with the team this off season after pitching for them last year. Uh, pretty, he had a, a great year, but you know, like I feel like we're going to say every single time we talk about anybody, 23 innings pitched. So, you know, it's a, it's a small sample size, but it was by far his, his best statistical season uh, as a major leaguer. 
Uh, Anthony Castro is our next candidate. He has one inning pitched, so there, um, in the major leagues. Uh, he is 25 years old. He's a product of the Tiger system at six foot two, 185 pounds. Um, another, another hard throwing pitcher. Um, and when I, you know, read the scouting report on him from, from the, the Tigers, you know, blog, it basically says, Hey, if he masters his control, he's, he's, got a lot going on for him he he was a starter he's been converted to a reliever um i think the blue jays are um you know obviously he's in the mix josh you probably have more on that yeah so he was dfa and like but the jays got him on waivers and then they passed him back through waivers to get him off the 40 man then everybody got injured and he suddenly found himself getting all these chances in spring training and especially coming in to relieve guys who couldn't get out of innings because that was his role because he was just like, oh, we don't care about his role. And he was great at it. He has 15 strikeouts and one walk in nine and a third out of the pen. Now, it's spring training and his opponent quality score in baseball reference is 5.8, which means it's like a ball. So I think tell. that he's just in the mix because he threw strikes. But I think he's probably less likely than these other guys to earn one of those last two spots. All right. Now we have to talk, Josh, about the ugly <clears throat> truth of injuries, starting with Nate. Why can't you just be here all the time, Pearson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to talk about a few starting pitchers in here, of course. Um, Pearson, you know, 6'6", 250, 24-year-old. It's like it's a minor growing strain and his injury prone rep reputation i said before i think it's a bit over earned um or and rather unearned because yeah well but it's like he got a minor growing strain in spring training it's like he's not, i don't even think it's gonna hurt his innings total for the season because he was never gonna throw a full slate it just sucks that he happens to be hurt while everybody else is also hurt <laughs> indeed um I, I I would be really, really happy to see him only miss what what do we think? Two turns in the rotation if everything goes uh to plan, or is it is it more than that? I th no, I think he'll probably they'll probably keep him down for most of April because he'll have to build back up and you know, again, like this way they can just keep him up in the bigs all year. Fair enough. Uh mm -hmm. any thoughts on poor Nate, Josh? Or uh Nick? Ugh. Too many names. Yeah, I was just <laughs> I was just gonna ask you guys if you think part of this is innings management as much as it is you know if this was september would he be pitching um i don't think so no i, don't, I, I think i think that he is actually mm -hmm. sore but i think that he'd be back a lot sooner if it were september right yeah. uh problem number two is the most expensive problem the blue jays have had with injuries again <laughs> not a, not a major one nick it's george springer yeah george springer was I think I speak for everyone when I say the most exciting part of the Blue Jays offseason. Uh, yeah, he's a very good player, and he's one of the guys that when people are talking about how dangerous the Jays lineup is, it's because George Springer is now a part of it. Um, yeah, uh, and I think he's out with an oblique injury. Uh, yep. If I'm And the one kind of concerning thing is oblique injuries tend to linger, uh, and I'm saying that merely parroting what I've seen people say uh on twitter and stuff like that that i'm assuming no more about this than me so this could be a problem that doesn't necessarily go away when he returns to the active roster in three or four weeks 
Well, that's kind of the thing is if it is three or four weeks, it probably would be better. He wants to be on the active roster now because it's not bothering him as much as the grade two strain says it should be. But the Jays are not going to do that. Like they put him on the IL and they have three good outfielders, which is nice. (laughs) So I don't think we're going to see Springer until the end of April, to be honest, as much as he wants to be playing on opening day, which now isn't even an option. But I think that they're going to make sure that he's healed from it because he's just so important. Right. Uh, our next guy uh, on the, hey, what are you doing here list is the, the second guy named Robert Ray to pitch for the Blue Jays. Uh, he is 29 years old. He is a left-handed starting pitcher. He is six foot two and 215 pounds. Uh, he had a ridiculously bad year in Arizona last year, which uh, led to him uh, ending up on the Blue Jays roster. Um, he literally had a whip of two. He walked nine per nine with Arizona. He's always had uh con- some control issues uh but you know normally watch whoops see I-, I knew you'd hear the timer at some point um normally he was walking five per nine at his worst uh he got better with the jays but still not great and then this spring he's been fantastic he's struck out 18 and 13 innings walked five so that's like 11.9 strikeouts per nine and only 3.3 walks per nine so Everything was popping, and then he fell down the stairs while carrying his child because, obviously, you got to have one of those in spring training, don't you? Uh, so he has a bruised elbow. Uh, how long will it be bruised for? Any any speculation, Josh? Nope. <laughs> yeah. There's the problem. Um, there was a chance. That, no, there was there was a chance that he was going to make his open his his first start. It sounds like he was just put on the IL as a precaution because. Again, it's like it's early in the season, and yeah, like why would you risk it? Mm -hmm. What do you think? I will say it. I said this at the time um, that Bauer signed, but Bauer's 2017 to 2019 is kind of identical to Robbie Ray's 2017 to 19. And that's not me saying they're equal pitchers or comparable pitchers, but Robbie Ray was a lot better than I think we realized for you know, a few years before 2020 and everything in, that's happened in spring training seems to kind of suggest he might be kind of back to something close to that. Hopefully he's also throwing crossed. harder than he's ever thrown before. Yeah. Added a couple of miles an hour. Magic. Uh, all right. And lastly on the, sorry about that, that you're hurt list, Thomas Hatch, Josh. Yeah. So we've talked about this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. I think Thomas Hatch would have been the guy if, he'd stayed healthy. (laughs) No, he didn't. And it's mild elbow inflammation, which is like as a symptom, it's not the cause. It's a symptom. (laughs) Um, But it sounds like it's all right. And he's probably going to be another guy on the Pearson timetable, you know, end of April, early May. And again, it's the same thing. Like it would be totally fine. This kind of rest come back. If it wasn't the same time as everybody else, because you just had the worst luck of everybody getting hurt at the same time. And that's why we have TJ Zoic starting in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Tough to manage when all the injuries don't don't follow the right timeline. Uh, okay, now we are going to go to the guys who we really don't think are going to make this roster, but have not officially, uh, as of this broadcast, been eliminated. Number one, Nick Reese McGuire, the odd catcher out. Yeah, so I think uh, the main issue with Reese McGuire not making the team is. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's out of options, though, so the Jays yeah. might lose him if uh, he doesn't make the team. Uh, so that's kind of disappointing because, you know, McGuire is not 
the best hitting catcher, but as kind of a third string catcher, I think he he's quite good. Yeah, so the Jays made a deal with the Angels for cash considerations. They picked up um, Juan Gratterall. He's going to be with down in the with uh, Riley Adams as as the depth catchers. It all but signals that McGuire's done. He's not going to make the roster, and Kirk has taken his job. And that you know it's too bad for him, but Kirk's better. Um, He'll catch I, on with another team. Oh, for sure. I get to talk about Bravik Valera, which is to note that uh, we were able to prove he exists. Josh saw him with his own eyes. He is, in fact, uh, you know, 28 years old and looks to be about 5'11", 190. Does he, Josh? Seems right. Yeah. Uh, we hardly knew ye. Um, yeah. Bra- I don't think there's just there's no room for him on this roster by the time everything else shakes out. Uh, do we need more about Bravik Valera? You know what? I realized when I put this together, I forgot to put Joe Panic on here. Um, yeah, who Joe is, Panic is the reason that Bravik Valera doesn't have any room on this roster. So I'll talk about Joe Panic instead, because <laughs> um, Kirby Yates is out for the season. Nothing more to say about that. Thanks for the memories. Um, yeah, <laughs> Panic is you now he's a backup who won't kill you. Essentially, that's what he is. And thankfully, the way the defense is set up this year, because of Semyon being able to play short. He won't be needed that much, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, Joe Panic set up as the guy who will not implode when you give him a bat and a glove is probably a simple answer to the the bench question that doesn't you know doesn't get up anybody up in arms and doesn't expose the team to any undue risk. There shouldn't be any situation where he plays two thirds of the games like he did last year. There's just better depth. <laughs> <laughs> You keep reminding. And how many of those did he play at shortstop? Oof. Enough. Enough. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to call that. We've rolled into the gates at just over an hour and two minutes. Clearly, my timers is uh, Google doesn't know how to do timers because my our speaking was would never have run over the timer. Um, any thoughts, Nick, on the 2021 20, season on on this the day of my daughter's wet? No, on this the uh, <laughs> <laughs> on on this the day before the season hopefully begins in lieu of bad weather. Yeah, I mean this is the beginning of the most exciting Jays season in four or five years, so I'm very excited. You know, a lot of the the moves the Jays made in the off season are paying off. You know, the fact that. Springer went down with an injury and we're still looking at like a pretty quality major league outfield until he comes back. Um, you know, same thing with Yates, the bullpen still looks good, even though he's out. Um, yeah, it's just a very exciting time to be a Jays fan and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, your thoughts, Josh. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this seems a contender and like when's the last time we could say that legitimately about a team going into the season, we didn't think that last year, I mean, we did once they added the extra playoff spots, but they weren't a real contender. Um, and, you know, all this horrible stuff with the starting pitching, Ray, Hatch, and Pearson should all be good to go by the end of the month. And then I like the bullpen. The offense is great. I, I think it's good. I think they're going to be a good team. Yeah, I think this is a team that other teams are not going to want to play. And that is a rare thing lately for for a Blue Jays team. Um, you know they, they've had hot streaks, they've had they've had good moments, but since 2016, um, there hasn't I don't think been a sense of oh, there's teams that are going to have a heck of a time beating the Jays on a regular basis. 
Um, and now that there looks like it's going to be a 162 game season, I think largely that that plays in the Jays' favor as well. Um, without some strange, strange playoff structure, strange rule set, I think I think they're well positioned. So should be a fun roster at the very least. Um, yeah, and I hope it is more than a fun roster. I hope it is a playoff roster. So from us to you, I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. Uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 198. And the next time we talk to you, we will have to talk about the games that have been played in the 2021 season.